This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find what matters to them and where you can find what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. That's g.co slash think slash search smarter. Hello and welcome to Marketing That Matters, a podcast series from Marketing Week and e-consultancy sponsored by Google. The pod looks under the bonnet of how brands are transforming their approach to digital marketing, covering customer experience, e-commerce, search, and much, much more. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week, and I am your host. Our subject for this episode is IG Group, the FTSE-listed financial services firm that provides the tech, platform and contextual know-how that allows people to trade and invest. Established in 1974, IG is in the rarefied position of being able to lay credible claim to having created a category. Being blessed with a brand with great provenance will only get you so far, however. Changes in technology and regulation have allowed yes for more potential customers, but also more competition. So how does IG maintain its leadership with its traditional target segments while establishing a meaningful positioning for new entrants growing the category? Now, that's just a few of the questions that we're going to seek answers to today. And I have two people perfectly placed to answer some of those questions uh, with us. I've got Hydran Late, who's the CMO at IG Group, and Mike Logue, who's the Global Head of Advertising at IG. Hydran, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Russell. Thank you, Russell. Hello. Great to have you with us. Uh, now, let me begin with you, Hydran, if I could. I hinted in my uh, introduction there that uh, there have been growth in the category. How has the market accelerated, let's say, over the past couple of years, but with particular mind to the last 18 months during the pandemic? Russell, I think there has been enormous growth in the industry over the last 12 to 24 months. And I think both very much driven by two key factors. The first one, I think, is a change in consumer behavior towards financial self-directedness. And the second one is just an increased pace of change and disruption in the world and frankly the effects that has then on financial markets the opportunities it creates but also how much actually gets to the consumer if i give you a little bit of color on these two points the first point as i said is consumer driven and that is that more and more people are taking up financial trading and investing based on an increased drive towards self-directed financial management I think gone are the days very much where people just handed over their money um, to institutions, trusting them to make the right decisions on their behalf. People are taking an active, self-directed approach towards their financial management. So this means that not only the volume of customers in the industry is increasing, but also the makeup of customer groups has changed. We're seeing a younger audience compared to previously coming in. So at the moment, there are probably as many millennial traders and investors um, as there are over 55s. But we're also seeing more women coming into this space. Both of these groups currently tend to still go for investment products. So taking 
a lower risk, a slightly longer um, time horizon. But we are also seeing early signs that these new consumers enter the trading space. So picking up more short-term, higher opportunity, but also higher risk trading products. I think from an equality and empowerment um, standpoint, these two shifts in demographics, so both in terms of age and sex, are fantastic news in my opinion. The second point I made that led to growth over the last 12 to 24 months is that pace of change and disruption. It's really picked up in the world. And that is doing two things. It's moving the financial markets a lot as they react to that change. And it's the type of change that actually makes newspaper headlines. Let me give you some examples of what I mean by that. If you think of just recent events, think of the last 12 months, there were unprecedented market movements due to the COVID disruption, uh, cryptocurrencies going up and down for months on end. Early in the year, we had the meme stock saga around GameStop and AMC. And of course, um, there are the ever popular US tech stocks, um, such as Google or Facebook. They all brought this market movement and they all made headlines. If you combine what I've just talked about with my first point, so the trend of financial self-directedness, and then pour the COVID-induced factor of more people working from home, um, therefore having a bit more time that wants to be filled with stimulating activity on it. So if you bring these points together, it just makes for the perfect storm, bringing more and more people into the trading and investing space. And as you mentioned before, with more people coming on board, there's more competitiveness than amongst providers, which triggers good marketing and product innovation. Thank you, Hydrin. That's perfectly illustrated the situation and the growth in the market. If I could bring Mike into the conversation at this point, as Hydrin said, you've got new entrants into the market. You've got more women and more younger people coming in, which is different from the traditional customers that you have. So that requires a different job of segmentation. And does it also require a different way to position what you do? Yeah, thanks, Russell. It was a really interesting challenge for us. And I think just to build upon Hydra's point, these trends have been emerging for some time now, but COVID really accelerated the change. And it wasn't tough for us to see that change come through. The change was so seismic that um, the numbers themselves were just extraordinary. So it was easy for us to notice there was a change happening and to understand that there was a change going on. Where the challenge came for us was understanding what was driving that change and understanding consumer behaviour slightly better. And there was two approaches we took to doing so. Um, the first of that was really understanding how that huge increase in demand for our products from clients and prospects matched with a seismic shift in the search landscape for trading and investments. Um, we used search-related data to really understand what was driving this change. It really helped us dig a bit deeper into what was motivating these new traders and new investors to come into the category. And that's where it became really interesting for us. We saw really seismic growth in interest for stock-related search terms um, as the COVID uh, pandemic kicked off in kind of March 2020. Um, just to give you a bit of an example of that, the, the search term buy shares saw a 500% increase in search volumes in the course of less than a week. Really incredible growth. On the flip side of that, terms such as Forex or Forex trading, which are also relevant terms for our category, were up by only kind of 20 to 30%. So 
we started by really understanding what in the market was driving consumer interest and then from that building. These kind of search trends really helped us quickly understand the mindset of these new traders and investors, um, helped us shape our campaigns, shape our messaging. And as well as using um, search, we used social. Whilst there was a lot of people looking to search to educate themselves and to learn more, there was a parallel conversation going on across social media and YouTube. Um, Hydrin touched upon um, some of the huge market events that took place over the past 12 to 24 months. And whether that's Elon Musk tweeting and and driving big swings in the Tesla share price, or the price of Bitcoin for that matter, depending on uh, what's, what's his focus for the day, Netflix's earnings announcement, and linked to that, their subscriber number announcements, or the plummeting price of oil last summer as global travel drew completely to a halt. There was always something happening in, in the markets that um, consumers, new and old, were using social media to have a conversation about. So IG used social listening tools to understand that conversation, to understand the trends, and, and not just the trends, but the sentiment. We also became part of that conversation. RG's got a vast array of content and real expertise in trading and investing. And we took it upon ourselves, especially amongst these new entrants to the market, to help educate them, help them understand the opportunities that sat within the trading and investing space, but also understand the risks. And so that's really the two approaches that we took to to understanding more about the, the changes in the marketplace and understand why these new consumers were, were coming into um, trading and investing. So... By, well, using social listening, by the insight that search affords you, you can build a better picture of uh, for new entrants in particular uh, coming in to the market and obviously position. I mean, what would you say, though, is your your distinction, your differentiation actually probably is a better way of putting it. I also mentioned in my intro, we talked about it already, that there's more competition in the market. So what is it that you guys can do? that you do very well, that matters to people, new and old in the category, that your competition can't. So I think, Russell, I'll break this down maybe into two um, two angles on that. The first is from RG's product standpoint, what is it that differentiates us and, 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 and sets us apart from the competition? And the second is maybe our, our marketing approach. Where have we won um, in the last 12 to 24 months from a marketing standpoint? What from our approach has differentiated us? If we start with the product standpoint, for me, it's a real focus on doing right by the customer. With that comes a best-in-class product, but also best-in-class education and analysis and insight. RG has a a vast array of of content to help educate consumers on trading investments, including our RG Academy training app and training portfolio, Daily FX, which is our our third party, which we we bought in, in 2016, who purely offer trading education analysis and insight. And we really believe in education for education's sake. We believe we have a, a role in educating consumers as to how to trade and invest well, presenting them with the opportunities, the risks and, and the tools to trade successfully. So I think from a product standpoint, I think that certainly stands us apart. If we maybe look at the marketing approach that we've taken and how that differentiates us, um, I can't talk about our, our marketing approach and our approach to new client acquisition without talking about SEO, um, search engine optimization. At IG, we made the decision a number of years ago now to embark upon a, a multi-year, multi-million pound investment in SEO. That manifested itself in an array of really high quality content, which we've deployed globally to kind of try and contextualize that for you. RG's UK website alone has 36,000 pages. We have 10, over 10 um, language sites, which are similarly content rich. So we, we really made a huge embarkment on, on creating some fantastic content 
to to rank organically um, in the knowledge that the category was going to grow and we wanted to make sure that we were talking to every ambitious person um, with that content mm. that's worked really well for us yeah i mean hi Adrian, if i could just bring you in on this point i mean this stuff isn't easy for people to get their heads around it i mean it is it's complex by nature perhaps rightly so is it all about education, as Mike touched upon there, in terms of sitting people down? I mean, that you didn't use the phrase, Mike, but you were talking like a classic brand purpose there, that your role is to educate. Is that is is that something that you would echo, given the complexity of what you offer, Hydra? Yes, Russell, absolutely. I think, you know, as the inventors of the space, we know what opportunities uh, we provide, but equally we know what the flip side of this is, which is the risk that comes with it. And we take client best outcome as what we are after. And therefore we really have to make sure that we stand by their side. Mike already mentioned some of, of the brands that we have there in the portfolio to create not only education, but also news relevant to trading, the financial market analysis. So brands such as IG, Daily FX, and also just um, recently acquired Tasty Trade in the US. These are all brands focused on creating content and education tools to really be there at the side of our consumers. And that from for true beginners to actually quite advanced traders and investors. So covering not only the fundamentals and the detailed ins and outs of trading and investing, but also topics such as trading psychology. So what's going on in the moment that you trade and what do you have to prepare yourself for? Then thinking about doing proper planning before you go into the trade or before you go into the investment. So just really making sure that you know what you're doing and that you have a tool to stick to it. And then at the same time, risk management, which is very much key. But besides just having the content there, we have to be mindful that different people want to learn differently and, and use these tools differently. So we offer different methods of learning to ensure everyone finds the best way to learn for them. And so be that through self-directed learning modules or live webinars where you can interact um, be that using environments that allow you to test out trading strategies before you go into the real trade. Or if you need that extra support to just have a one-to-one -one with one of our um, colleagues in customer support and just ask them the question that you don't have the answer to. We really want our clients to feel ready to trade when they trade at the different levels that they're at. Thank you for that. I really like this notion of it's almost like you feel a great sense of duty of care, I suppose, to your uh, to your customers. The outcomes are never predictable, and the you know there is a risk as there is with any kind of trade or investment. So thank you for talking through that with us, Mike. In fact, both of you have talked a little bit about real time. The demand for investment is so influenced by global events as you both talked about how does ig keep on top of uh, these changes to customer demand so russell for years now we've used and relied on a suite of proprietary dashboards to support our marketing efforts um, and as a category grew in recent months and recent years having a really solid understanding of our first party data um, our benchmarks and how we change against those benchmarks was critical so we, we've really relied on that first party marketing data, which is a real focus of ours, both for now and for the future, to help us understand changes. We have an in-house marketing intelligence team and an in-house data science team who really support us with those efforts. 
um, and we'd positioned ourselves really well over over a number of years now to be ready to understand changes in consumer demand through our first party data. I also touched upon uh, in, the, in the last answer how we also use um, search trend data and social listening as well to give an external view on what's changing in the market and better understand that. And that's probably where we've grown in recent years is not just having the RG lens on the market and, and trusting ourselves inherently, but really looking outside of RG to understand where the world is going and, and how we can keep up. On top of that, uh, and, and looking at our um, service team that Hydran mentioned, we have a really highly skilled 24-7 customer service team um, who support our clients globally. And as well as being a great source of support service for our clients, they also provide a great source of information for our marketing teams. We have dedicated service and resource managers who feed back to our marketing teams what's going on in the here and now. They're able to pick up on increases in volumes and calls, volumes and inquiries, but also share with us the themes of those inquiries. And from that, we really learn not just what's going on in the market that matters to the category in general, but actually what matters to our clients, because that's what matters to IG is, is the clients we have today and giving them the best service possible. Thank you for that. I mean, it's, uh, it seems to me to be crucial and it's what you're looking to do is join the dots between those to create the virtuous circle that will benefit both yourselves, but more importantly, uh, the customers that you serve. Um, if I could ask you both just to hold further thoughts, I'm going to introduce somebody else into the conversation. Uh, Rachel Varley is a Senior Industry Manager at Google. Rachel, tell us what you do generally, but more specifically, what the nature of Google's partnership is with IG. Yeah, of course. Hey there. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, as you said, I'm Rachel Varley. I'm a senior industry manager at Google and actually take a focus on trading um, and also look at the e-gaming sector as well. Um, the partnership, it's a very special one, I have to say. Um, look, it's really open. It's very honest. There's been some interesting moments. Hydron actually joined as CMO not long after I joined the account. So there was some nice harmony in that. And also at the same time, we were looking to make a really significant change as a business. They had a crystallized challenge that they came to us with. And I think together that enabled us to deliver those kind of strong results for the business because we knew what we were doing. Secondary to that, it helped us respond together quickly. Look, the Hydrant and Mike both spoke to the uh, significant changes that we've seen. And I think knowing each other as we do and knowing what we needed to achieve as a, as a team made sure that we were ready to both shift and grow in line with demand. You talked about the relationship. I think you used the word open. Talk to me about what that actually means in practice uh, to have an open frank relationship yeah it's a it's a good question and um, it's easy to say sometimes quite difficult to bring to life but i would actually say there's three key things that we did as a team that have made it reality the first one which i touched on earlier is coming to us with a challenge and we will then come to you with insights. So they knew what they needed to do as a business. There was a very clear goal from the company that they were trying to get to. And it meant that we could then work together as a marketing team to figure out what do we need to do to get the business to X, Y, or Z goal. And I think that was a really big differentiation, knowing what we were working towards. And our role there was how do we figure this out? Like what is it that we do as Google to support IG in this ultimate goal? The second one is 
knowing what you're not good at. Um, IGU is really smart in the sense that they critically analyze what they are great at, but recognize what they are not so good at. Um, and it enables us to get to those solutions much faster and enables us to get to those solutions together. A great one that they spoke about earlier was actually just reaching new audiences. And how do we speak to a different demo? Like we've never necessarily looked at that demo before. They're really new. They're potentially slightly younger, potentially looking slightly different and thinking in a slightly different way. And how do we utilize that education to reach that new user? And what does Google know about working with different audiences that we can bring to the page to help IG ultimately in that moment? So again, that knowing what they didn't know and telling us that gave us a moment to be like, okay, cool. Do you know what? We can do this. Google can support here. We know what to do. And then the third one um, is round guardrails. It's a very interesting one. But the reality of the financial trading space is that it is anything, as you've heard, but then smooth sailing, um, mainly for the operators. And there are various obstacles at every corner and there are some hurdles that they do need to overcome. Of course, it's all for the best. We need to stay really true to protecting the customer from obviously the natural risk around trading as much as we can. But what's been really interesting is that those obstacles that some would deem as a weakness have actually helped us foster that more, um, how can I say, like a we're in this together sort of camaraderie. And it meant that we knew what we could do in the moment. And so I guess in a way, those regulations almost whilst they acted like guardrails, those restrictions guided us towards what we could or couldn't do. And we knew what can be done and we knew what can't be done. And we use those to ultimately make decisions as to how we partner together and how we bring that success from the team, ultimately for the business and therefore the consumer. Thank you for that. And I'll just ask you one question, either in terms of working in partnership with others or from the best practice that you've learned from the work that you've done, with IG, I mean, what would you advise to everybody listening that good looks like in this space? Say, so listen to the podcast, write down notes. Um, I guess that, like I touched on it already, the first one is try and create those guardrails. Look, if you give you and your team clear territories to explore, it's very easy to figure out what it is you can do what can often seem like a disadvantage actually may take you places that you didn't expect. And I think there's something really lovely in that moment. Also, just think about how, where you need help. Um, what's your Achilles heel as a business? Look at Google. We have access to some incredibly bright minds. They're working on some incredibly difficult and complex challenges. And it's a moment for you to come to us and then we can bring the kind of best of Google to you if we know who those people should be in that moment. So get in touch and obviously we can try and help. Thank you very much for that. Guardrails uh, uh, is my key takeaway from that. That's an expression I haven't used before. Thank you for introducing it to me, Rachel. If I can come back to uh, Hydra and Mike, but begin with Mike, if I could. We've talked about some of the insight in your segmentation and differentiation. Let's talk about the results and indeed how you actually measure them. I mean, what does success look like for IG and, and how are you going about measuring it? IG Russell is a growth business. We're, we're looking to grow and the way that IG grows predominantly is through bringing new clients into the business. So for us, the results over the past 18, 24 months really have been quite astonishing. In the immediate aftermath of the rapid growth in interest in trading and investments in early 2020, um, we saw threefold increase in new clients. That's a really quite monumental growth. And on top of that, we're really pleased to see that the average value of those new clients we were acquiring and the retention rate of those new clients that we were acquiring was in line with the previous cohorts. So we were reaching new audiences in new ways um, and that drove some real growth, but we were doing so sustainably. And for us, this really defied expectation. 
what's also pleasing for us is that that growth in new clients is a trend which has continued. That's not stopped. And if you look at the first half of our latest financial year, um, we showed a 90% growth in new clients um, compared to the year before. So, so that was great news for us. From a kind of efficiency and effectiveness of our, our marketing standpoint, again, that was really good news for us. We employ a really quite sophisticated multi-channel approach to digital marketing. So we tend not to look at our channels in isolation, but instead look at our marketing return on investment as a whole. And we managed to see our, our overall cost per new client reduced by over 50%. But if I do maybe zoom in on paid search, as this is all about search, uh, search matters, we were again really pleased to have managed to double our return on investment in paid search over the course of the last 24 months. So that was great for us. In terms of what we learned from this, and it's, it's always nice to reflect on good results, but more important than we take the learnings from them. The first, and maybe coming back to a point I made earlier, is that investment in SEO works. And we, we left the last 24 months really pleased about the decision we'd made um, just over three years ago to make a significant investment in SEO. Because what that allowed us to do was be far more targeted with where we placed our marketing budget. Our investment in SEO gave us that reach allowed us to talk to and be discovered by this growing group of consumers whilst using our budget to be heavily focused on RG's target audience. But as that audience grew and as that audience matured, we had to use different tactics. Um, so one really good example of that is within both the search but also the programmatic display space, we moved away from bidding algorithms based on CPA, cost per acquisition, to really quickly pivoting to focus on return on investment and lifetime value. When the volumes of new traders entering the market grew like they did, it was really important for us that we were able to kind of identify those diamonds, identify those pockets of value where RG's revenue growth was going to come from and deploy our budgets there. So again, with partnership with Google and employing some, some great new technology, kind of building on what we had with SA360 and bringing in new partners such as Square.io to help us build upon the success we'd had prior to then, we were able to really change the way that we we were bidding uh, on SA360, on DB360, to move away from optimising to a number of new clients and instead to optimise to value. And that really drove a, a step change for us. So two key takeaways for me. The investment in SEO allowed us to be continue to be targeted with our marketing investment and moving away from a, an acquisition or, or, a, or a volume of acquisition-led model through to a, a value-led model for optimization. again, just drove that real seismic shift in, um, in our results. It's, uh, it's interesting to hear. It's also interesting to hear your approach, your analysis, forensic analysis, if, uh, if you allow me to describe it that way, about not only what works, so it's not about just measuring, uh, it's also about understanding uh, where the growth is coming from and that will allow you to develop further. I mean, if you're getting that many more people and they're spending more money, then that's probably enough in itself. So <laughs> a success story all round. If I could come back to you, Hydra, and, and ask you, I suppose, to get your crystal ball out in a way and, and, and think to the future. I mean, what trends and dynamics do you predict will shape the investment category over the next few years? I won't ask you to look too far ahead. But importantly, how does IG plan to keep ahead of these? Wow, Russell, what a question. Let's predict the future. <laughs> Um, I'd normally say that's quite a difficult task. Um, however, I think with what is going on in our specific industry, but also in the marketing space in general, I can with a fairly high degree of confidence foresee at least three major trends that I think are relevant 
So for the industry in particular, I think my first prediction is that the number of people getting involved in trading and investment will just go up even further, including a growing segment of younger traders and investors, as well as more women entering the space. Like, you know, we mentioned that before, but I think this will just continue. I think we are ready um, for this at IG Group. We'll develop our education, our trading and investing products, as well as the customer experience we provide to truly meet the differing needs of this growing audience. And I think from a marketing point of view, therefore, we are focusing on clear and smart brand positioning through the final personalized journeys and messaging, and that powered by technology and data to be able to scale towards all of these differing needs. My second prediction, again, somewhat industry specific, is product and marketing innovation based on, number one, the need to meet and exceed the different needs of this growing consumer group in the space. Number two, I think based on just the changes that artificial intelligence and machine learning are likely to bring, you know, we've seen already a lot and it will just pick up even more. And then number three, I think just based on an increasing demand for sustainability-related products. Um, for a business such as IG Group that frankly has innovation in its DNA from day one, this to me is very much a dream coming true. Our product and marketing uh, research and development teams are currently really busy uh, working on upcoming releases with much more to come in future. It's, it's just the pace is really picked up. And then leaving you with a third prediction, there's always good to have three. This time, not just relevant for marketeers in our space, but very much relevant for all marketeers listening to this podcast, is the need to adapt to a future without third-party cookies. It's coming. We're already on the way. And this, in my mind, will rewrite the marketing rulebook, but for the better, as it makes us marketeers step away from convenient, slightly business needs first, consumer needs second, marketing approaches that third-party cookies make possible. And instead, it makes us think much harder about creating a better customer experience. So really catering for the different needs of our audiences. In our business, again, for quite some time now, we have lessened our reliance on third-party um, data and move towards an approach that is highly customer need focused and therefore first party data driven. And then bringing the contextual marketing tactics um, in alongside to support. So if I had to get out my, my crystal ball out, Russell, I think here you are. Those would be my predictions for the future. And, and sound they are. I mean, on that final point, I think you, in many ways you could have teed up a, another hours worth of conversation around third party uh, cookies but the wider point about taking ownership and doing everything in service of the customer is a valid one whether or not you're working trading investment retail or consumer goods so thank you for sharing those uh, thoughts on the future hydrant and thank you to yourself and mike for sharing insight into your journey i mean it's it's a complex world that you operating it's a category that isn't quite as straightforward as others but uh, it's uh, in your experience and your approach i think there's plenty for people 
to learn and learn from, whether or not it be diagnosis and having a strong sense of self, insight to make sure you are market-oriented, and then some of the uh, strategic segmentation and understanding of what people need and delivering the experience that will differentiate you from the competition. Plenty of lessons there. And thank you also to Rachel for sharing her experiences of partnership and what in particular works and stands your partnership apart. So thank you all. Uh, Until next time, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Marketing That Matters from Marketing Week and e-consultancy sponsored by Google with me, Russell Parsons. This podcast was produced by Tim O'Donoghue from Bauer London Creative and edited by Rebecca Sentence. Look out for the next episode in which I'll be talking to Eminem Direct about dynamic personalization. Until next time, goodbye.